Uh, I am so happy to be here with you guys on Sunday. Everybody in the chat room, thank you for joining us. And if you're listening to this later, thank you also. You're just supported. We appreciate you. And uh, today, we're going to start off by hitting some news, and then we're going to be talking about uh, the Great American Bash 1986, which is, today is the anniversary of uh, one of those shows uh, that, that occurred with a big NWA World Heavyweight Championship main event, so that's going to be fun to dive into. And hopefully, if you guys saw the links early on, we tried to be ahead of it this time so that you would know what we're going to be talking about so you had time to watch it. I know I said WWE front row in the chat who uh, said he knew what he was doing on Saturday. And uh, I've seen it twice now, so feeling pretty good about it. But uh, first, let's spend the uh, little bit of time we got left at Will's schedule for news. Talk about the news. <laughs> we have three and a half minutes go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, three and a half minutes. Uh, there's, uh, there was a, a Cardi Town Council meeting on Thursday night. If you're a member of the Patreon, you were able to be a part of that. I think there was something like 25 people in there, but we were joined by Joe Galley, Nick Aldis, and the president, William Patrick Corgan. And uh, they were there to take your questions. I mean, Joe like pitched a couple at them, and then it was up to whoever said they had something to ask. They were able to ask. Rob wasn't able to be there. Technically, Rob wasn't able to be there because he was tied up with Eddie Kingston, by the way, if you haven't seen the latest edition of Piper's Notes. Could not get better timing than that, Eddie Kingston. Well, that'll be a news item for a minute, but uh, but it was we'll on. I had it on in the background, so just so you know, I wasn't absent. I just uh, we had other work going on. I did have it on, so I was able to listen and uh, hear uh, WWE front row or just front rows. Outstanding shout out for us, and uh, and uh, we appreciated that love. And the NWA fan was strong. Hashtag NWA fan was strong tonight. So, yep. Super sweet of WWE front row. He did mention to Mr. Corgan about like, okay, are you aware of uh, stuff like this show out there that, you know, keeping the, as we always say, keeping the flame alive. And, uh, and, and said he was, and I think the coolest part about it was he, he talked a little bit about uh, how he'd had some dark days during all of this and uh, depression, but that Nick actually kind of translated that over to him. Like, Hey, pay attention. Like there's, Still a lot of people in our corner. Uh, a lot of people got our backs. And uh, there's there's people still talking about us right now in, in positive ways. So uh, Billy, you know, uh, basically said that that helped bring him back around to to do something. So we're happy to hear that. Uh, fellas, when you were listening to it, though, I mean, what, what kind of stuff stood out to you? Well, I think, uh, you know, just as you said, I mean, there, there was no there wasn't like an earth shattering announcement. And I think there was a little bit of buzz that we were going to hear something, you know, definite set in stone, but we did, what we did learn uh, was just more optimism around the fact that the NWA is not going anywhere. They are coming back um, and they're working really hard to find the best way to do that. And so um, William Patrick Corgan reiterated that Nick Aldis reiterated that. Uh, and so that was just really encouraging to hear, um, you know, that, that they would, come in front of us and, and basically reiterate. And, you know, Corgan did say that he had gotten a phone call earlier in the day that day that was very positive. We don't know the details about that, but could be a, a wrestling event or some kind of show uh, coming up in the future and uh, that we should, you know, he said that we should expect to hear something soon. So that was really cool. Yeah, 
I, yeah, same thing. I mean, nothing but positivity. Like I said, nothing earth shattering, but it was good to get that reassurance to say, you know, when we, we have a certain standard of quality of production and expectation that we're, we're committed to meeting. Um, I, I, you know, we, we were told in the page drawn by Maureen that we, we will be getting something this month. I'm not sure what that amounts to, but, uh, uh, but the, they're, they're coming back probably sooner than later. Uh, in whatever capacity that amounts to. And, and of course, we knew they would. Again, if, uh, if you've listened to, to Will out there on his various outlets, from the hot tag to to uh, some of the other shows he's done, standing stream or whatnot, I mean, the message has been the same. They're, they're not going anywhere, and they're coming back, and they're coming back soon, and they will deliver. And, and, uh, and of course, you know, our champion has been out there reassuring the public, too, with his open letter, which I'm sure we'll get into, and, and – uh, Excellent video he put out yesterday, uh, but we're in good hands, guys. It's, it's going to be okay. And, and uh, this month, Maureen says something NWA related is coming. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see what that is. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway too was uh, that that they do feel like they've got some sort of a plan going forward, or at least they're thinking about it now. And that's that's the important part. They're they're it's in the works. They're they're pressing on and uh, stepping forward with the whole thing which is you know it's felt kind of stagnant and they're not even thinking about things I, I thought was interesting to hear him talk uh corgan i mean uh not even just like nationally and like what's going to happen with uh covid and and everything here but just the future in general he's talking about uh globally uh thinking and um i know he mentioned a lot about like india and china and just these opportunities that like people don't think there's a place for a new attic era. He's like, yeah, these places have like 1.5 billion people or something like in one of these uh, places. And you don't think that they're not going to have like new stars they can latch on to and new things they could get into that, that just interested me. Just like even hearing him talk about that. So, like it, you really see, you feel like uh, the spark is lit in him again. Like he's thinking about like ideas of like everywhere to attack this thing. And, uh, and I thought that was really cool. It was, uh, it was nice just to hear, honestly, from him. Like, Nick's, Nick's been out there off and on, um, so it was just nice to hear Mr. Corgan also talk about it, uh, which yeah. was a little different than what we've seen. He's been kind of radio silent for a while. Yeah, absolutely. It was just – overall, it was super encouraging. It was cool that they opened up for questions, and, uh, you know, that that's a gutsy move, and you're not going to get that from any other wrestling company. People were saying that uh, during the meeting uh, that we're speaking out. It was just like – you know, what other wrestling promotion do you get to sit and have FaceTime with the president, the champion, you know, and actually ask questions? And it was just a really cool, cool time. Yeah, and, and news-wise, too, just for what it's worth, uh, WWE Front Row, who was a part of that, uh, in, the, in the chat mentioned that you know, one of the things that stood out to him was that he talked about forward-thinking, uh, that that new stuff would be forward-thinking, Um what do you think that could look like? That that is an interesting question because he he didn't mention that he didn't see like power actually working for now. What, I wonder what he's thinking like as far as uh, you know from here on. Well, what does that mean forward thinking? I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I don't um, I don't have a clear you know speculation of, of what that means. I think it's just kind of par for the course when you think about. NWA um, producing wrestling content that doesn't fit the mold of mainstream wrestling. I think they're going to look to be a little more creative, 
Um, and, you know, if if this is uh, a reality and one thing he did mention, too, that really stuck out to me, uh, that a, a very prominent music industry colleague of his had predicted that there's probably not even going to be concerts in 2021, like big live events. Um, so, you know, obviously we hope that's not the case, but if they're, if people who know what they're talking about are, are saying that and, and predicting that, you know, I think their head is probably in a place of like, okay, if empty arena or whatever is the new normal, how can we be the most creative with it? Uh, and I think that they're going to come up. I mean, these are the same minds that brought us Carneyland. You know what I mean? Like they're going to bring us something mm. that is ultra creative uh, with that, without compromising that prize fight mentality and uh the, you know the way that the company's built right and it wouldn't surprise me either and again we don't have we don't have the direct inside scoop on this so don't take this for for anything other than but just as my opinion it, it would not surprise me to see um our champ you know he's he's aching to defend this belt he wants to defend the belt in some way so it would not surprise me to see this go into another almost like an aldous crusade type deal where he's visiting some smaller promotion and not not devaluing the belt defending against lesser names or like that but you know just for instance like and, and maybe we'll talk about this in a minute uh, we dropped some awf content on uh the end of your channel yesterday that's a that's a small territory in northwest georgia it's actually the longest running independent promotion in the southeast but everybody comes through there from alda to you know kevin ashton paul rick flair the rock and roll express have a very very deep history with uh with paulie um, the, who's the owner and promoter nation world politics. It's very controversial. Uh, some people hate him. Others love him. He's one of my really good friends and he, uh, has, has provided me with opportunities that I never would have had otherwise, but, uh, seeing all this maybe appearing stuff like that, I think would be perfect. And that, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. I think but when it comes to the NWA, they want to make sure that the standards where it's always been, which is at the utmost. So, I don't know. What do you think about that, Gary? Well, yeah, I think I think that's a hundred percent what what's on his mind. I can elaborate a little bit on on, on one thing I had heard. You know, that the, the Billy did mention, so I think it's safe to say as previously. But you know, I never want to speak out of turn with anything. If I can help it, that's not based in fact. But you know, he mentioned that uh, with COVID doing what it's done, it's just ruined a couple of things. And like touring was one of the things they had on their plate at, at a certain point. Like they were getting ready to announce like possibly touring. I had heard through the grapevine that was going to be a thing. And, uh, you know, obviously Billy has a relationship, uh, Mr. Corgan, I should say, has a relationship uh, with Live Nation and his folks. He was going to be doing a tour with Guns N' Roses through all of that. Um, so maybe that was sort of somehow sort of connected to the dealings he was having. Maybe that's even the dealings uh, that he's got going on with, you know, as far as uh, the, the industry news that, that Will just mentioned. Uh, maybe that's where he's where he's hearing that stuff. That's speculation. I don't know about that part. But anyway, just uh, I, I don't see touring being out of the realm of possibility for these, especially if, if folks like our champ, Nick Aldis, are willing to travel. Then maybe that is something that they they throw out there. Um, if he's willing to give it a go, then I don't see why not. Uh, speaking of Nick Aldis, too, I do want to make sure I mention. Uh, one of the nice pieces of news I thought that I, I'm excited about personally, and I think everyone should be, is that Nick did drop the news. Also, he had just filmed a pilot for a uh, a training show, uh, like a training documentary, I guess you could call it. Uh, he and Tom Latimer had shot some stuff over at Tried and True Pro Wrestling, and uh, he had, I think, tried to pit Billy uh, and uh, – Billy wasn't, you know, he's trying to get Billy an idea of what 
what they're doing, but he's got pilot. He's currently in the meeting it. So he was saying in the, in that conversation that he at least hoped to have it as like a Patreon exclusive or something, if nothing else, you know, but I think I'm, I'm sure that he'd love to have it like be a regular featured part of the NWA product. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm open for good things like that. Uh, anytime I hear something like that, immediately my mind goes to things like, I don't know how many fans we have here, but if you've watched things like, the ultimate fighter and that sort of thing that actually got me into UFC back in the day. And uh, I think something like that could be really cool. Like if they can uh, develop some sort of a system and show folks working their way up in, in the ranks and like what the process is for uh, training and becoming a professional wrestler. Uh, this, this could be good stuff. I mean, we've seen attempts at it with things like tough enough and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of differences, uh, Mr. Aldis has in mind when he's going into this thing, but uh, I'm excited to see that. So hopefully, hopefully everybody else is. I, I, I get that done. At least. That'll be some new. Let me, let me add content. something to what you're saying, just to piggyback on that. And again, uh, I'm going to plug this AWO thing a couple of times. So it just so happens that uh, one of our featured uh, talent in the promotion is Alex Taylor, who is in that school, that tried and true school. He, he teaches uh, along with Tom Latimer and, uh, legitimate legitimate talent uh works alongside guys like crimson and he is he is the inaugural what they're calling the awf viral champion which is sort of like their version of the tv title or the uh the tnt championship it's defended on the, in the arena show that they do and i think there, there's an episode uh coming out today. it might already be out. i'm trying to talk to those guys into letting us put all of that on our channel uh, if you guys like it and would like to see that please go over there and like and subscribe and let them know hey we want to see this on this channel to get your what you're doing out to a bigger to a bigger audience um so they're you know their 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 digital presence is not as big as ours is and that's the only reason it's not like you know we're trying to be egotistical and get that jump over here but we do would like more people to see that stuff so yeah and if i could um I, just to give him a shout out wwe front row sent me some notes over for from the thing so i'm just gonna read through them real quick if we missed anything here uh likely you'll hear it we just want to uh, present everybody with everything that we know based off of that meet so far. Uh, <clears throat> he, he's got a note here that wrestling content coming soon, likely modeled after other companies' blueprints. They did talk about that. They've been looking at uh, some of the things other companies have been doing. Uh, but power tapings would wait until they can safely do them in the show with fans. So we kind of covered that a little bit. Uh, the question of Zicky Dice did come up during that conversation. Zicky Dice is slender content. That was kind of where they... Uh, left that discussion, but uh, they did talk a little bit about Eddie Kingston saying he is under contract with the NWA or AEW at this point that they're aware of. They would love to keep working with him if at all possible. Anarchy Starks also came up for what it's worth. And uh, uh, Mr. Corgi just saying that he was proud of what uh, Starks had accomplished so far and uh, loved working with him. Um, Billy said that he is very proud of Thunder Rosa and Mission Pro Wrestling. He thinks that that's a really cool concept. He hopes that they can work together. And she is still the NWA Women's World World's Champion. Uh, so let there be no question about that for whatever reason that uh, that he's hoping they can have a great partnership and, and a working relationship. Uh, and uh, he, But he said one of his main goals is not to create subpar content, just to satisfy Patreon subs. They will provide value in any way they can and in their own ways. Uh, Nick shared a story in the middle of the thing about how he loved in the power tapings that there was the live crowd 
that shut down snarky fan chants. He said he was really proud of that. Uh, I thought that was just a cool story. I forget how it actually even came up, but uh, was talking about how he thought one of the cool things about the NWA audience is the audience there when people start those like, you know, quote unquote, smart fan chants uh, trying to be a-holes or smart asses. <laughs> like everybody just immediately kind of shut it down. I was like, no, we don't do that here. Like we're, we're into the show and what's being presented to us. And uh, they did say no current plans to work with AEW, but Billy is open to any discussions with any company where it makes sense. Billy spoke about his strong relationship with Joe Koff from Ring of Honor. He did say they do talk uh, pretty regularly still. And, uh, but Billy did say they're making changes to the way the NWA is going to be presented and says they're trying to be very forward thinking. And of course, the other note that I see here is that just uh, Billy talked a little bit about his depression in the early pandemic days, but how the fans continue to support and uplift him. And Nick also echoed that sentiment. So um, th those are the main points I wanted to give front row uh, shout out. He, he was taking those uh, notes during the actual uh, meeting itself. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add about that meeting or shall we move on? That's good and thorough. Thanks front row. Appreciate it. Thanks for that uh, rundown. Is, is it just the best? Yes, he, he, he is. is. He is. is. Anybody is hashtag NWA fam is front row. He is a godsend. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, with all of that said, if you guys haven't checked out from Friday on our YouTube channel, there's a brand new episode of Piper's Notes. Uh, Piper Stinson, uh, the the better of the Stinsons, in my personal opinion, she has her own show. Uh, completely, <laughs> she has her own show where she gets to in interview a lot of different folks, uh, talking about music and just everything in general. And all is not just wrestlers, but a lot of wrestlers. And uh, it's a very cool show. If you guys haven't checked that out, you got to check it out. But this week's episode, uh, delivered on Friday, uh, features. The Mad King himself, Eddie Kingston, and uh, it's it's an it's an outstanding interview. I loved it. Uh, I'm really proud that it's on uh, the uh, this is the NWA podcast network here, and uh, it's really stuff. And especially great timing because the next news item that we had here is that uh, Eddie Kingston debuted on AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday. So Rob, you you guys couldn't have nailed that any better. I, I mean, of course, credit all credit to Piper. Uh, for locking down that her, interview. She did her action research, man. She was on it. She follows Meltzer <laughs> and all the, all the rumor mills, so she, she was like, Dad, <laughs> send him a picture of this cute face and see it. <laughs> Not my cute face, her cute face. Yeah, and, uh, and, and who's going who's gonna, to uh, big-time Piper? Nobody. Nobody's going to try to big-league her and not do the interview after they locked it in. Uh, but you know, I don't, I, I have no shame in admitting and I, and I don't mean this as a knock against anybody, but I don't regularly watch AEW dynamite. I did tune in for this whole segment, uh, with Eddie's debut and, uh, his match against Cody. Unfortunately, he came up short, uh, as far as the match itself goes, but delivered a fire promo at the beginning and, uh, had some great interaction with him. And, uh, my personal favorite was, uh, uh, with Arn, his interactions with Arn, for some reason, I just really enjoyed about knocking his jaw off his face or he swore on his mother's eyes that uh, if he said another word, he was going to gouge his eyes out. And uh, 
that kind of stuff was a lot of fun. But what did you think of uh, Eddie Kingston making his debut on AEW Dynamite? It was brilliant, man. I mean, the fact that he led with a promo, I mean, it, it just that's that's who he is. He's going to talk before he before he takes you to town in the ring. And uh, the, they let him do that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't pretend to know what goes on behind the scenes with planning and booking all that. But um, I do feel like, I mean, he was 100 percent allowed to be himself, which I don't think Eddie Kingston cannot be himself. So um, but, you know, he was allowed to come out and uh, I say aloud like it's, you know, I, again, I don't know how things work in AEW. Um, but, you know, it, it seems that he was given the freedom to come out and be himself and cut that promo um, and put on a, a hell of a match, man. I mean, it was super entertaining. And I'm like you, Gary, you know, not a knock on AEW. I just don't, you know, there's there's only so much time in the week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll catch up on newsworthy stuff, but I don't typically watch it live um, unless, you know, I know something big is going to happen or it's a big event or something. But this was definitely something I went back and watched the whole segment as not – not live, but uh, shortly after on uh, on DVR, I just to experience it as it happened. So it was a really cool moment, I thought. I just want to jump in here real quick because this is uh, important stuff. Because I'm I'm gonna run out really soon if I don't say this. Uh, we're getting reports in the chat that uh, people want to buy us beer, but the link does not work. So oh no! <laughs> no. All right, hang on. <laughs> So anyway, right, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I fixed it. Don't worry. Rob, did you uh what'd you think of I, Eddie Kingston on on AEW Dynamite and how did that impact you going into Piper's notes uh with Right, yeah, Piper? yeah. Um I I watch AEW. I, I, when we're not doing our show, you know, we 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 go head to head with them on with Dark. Our show does. So, you know, that we have the Tuesday night rating for. Um <laughs> so so I don't get to see Dark every time. I usually go back and watch. I like AEW because I really like Brody Lee a lot. Always have. I I, uh, I don't know what it is about him. I, I love Chris Jericho. Um, I'm an NWA guy, and I think they something about them like strikes me as like traditional, you know. Uh, so I uh, I do watch it, and uh, we were sitting here watching it, man, and, and I had no clue. We we've been talking with Eddie Kingston for about, what about two weeks, guys? When I let you know that we we got the interview with him, yeah. and. Uh, my first thought, honestly, and, and Eddie King, let me tell you, he is very gracious. He, um, I won't go into all the details about how we booked the interviews and how we established that communication, but, uh, but we had established a link of communication with him. He was talking to us every day about, Hey, this, this is, this is the bands I'm really into, you know? And, and, um, then about like Tuesday, our communication went black. Like it, like he wasn't responding, which is cool. I mean, it, it, you know, I know he's busy and uh, everybody in the world, Eddie Kingston is one of those ones that's universally respected and everybody wants to talk to him, especially in light of the back and forth between he and Nick Aldis. But about Tuesday, the communication just went dark and uh, I wasn't getting any responses. And I would just send one or two. I'm not just carpet bombing him with, with emails or anything like that. Then he came out <laughs> on, dynam on Dynamite. And you're like, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And my second thought was like, oh, He's not going to do our show tomorrow. <laughs> but then that, that night, like I'm telling you, AEW went off. An hour later, he he messaged and said, hey, I'm still in, guys. Dude, I, I'm going to do this, and I'm looking forward to it. I love what you guys do. And and so uh, so that was my initial thought. Like you said, I love his, his talking with Arn Anderson. It was just surreal to me. And uh, um, 
it was cool, man. Yeah, very much, very much a fan of Eddie Kingston. Absolutely, uh, can't can't say enough good things about Eddie. And if you guys have not checked it out, again, you got to go over to Piper's Notes and uh, get through that thing. And for anybody who was concerned about the situation regarding uh, Eddie Kingston and Nick Aldis, since they've been talking a little smack back and forth, Eddie Kingston does get prompted by Mr. Stinson at the end. The story is with that whole thing, and Eddie Kingston is quick to jump on and uh, let Nick Aldis know what's up. Actually, I think he starts off with, Nick already knows what's up. Yeah. But let me lay it down. And uh, so we get a nice little uh, promo there from Eddie Kingston uh, on our champion, uh, Mr. Aldis. So very cool. Let me say something about, about just offline. You know, when, when we do Piper's Notes and everybody here, both willing, well, Gary's been on it, Will's coming on it, and many of you actually are going to be on it. We, we do, can I take a second to just talk about Piper's Notes, Gary? For- I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I always have to be a smart ass with you, Rob. I'm so sorry. I, no, obviously, I've been, I've been gushing <laughs> about Piper's notes. If you're on the schedule, yeah, I think like I think someone's wrong. But uh, Piper's notes is uh, this is our attempt to show that uh, wrestling is is a very high form of culture and entertainment along the lines of any other form of performance sport or entertainment like Broadway, baseball, whatever. It fits in that same genre. And so when we have our guests on, you'll, you'll find that we will touch on wrestling briefly because to set the context and, and uh, you know, most of our viewers are wrestling fans, but uh, we don't really talk about wrestling on there. But we get entertainers, we get rock stars. We've got Amanda Palmer from Dresden Dolls coming on later this week. Uh, we've got, we've had Will Control from Aiden. We've had uh, uh, everybody who's anybody in the NWA has been on virtually and, and more are coming. We've got a, a lot, we've got like nine on our schedule right now. But we also do super fans. So most of you who are in this chat right now, at some point, we will reach out to you to ask to come on our show because it's it's about building community and and, and uh, building the fam, uh, which includes both the talent and the fan base. And uh, this Friday, we're having Donna Wrestling, who is a saint. We love her. She is very gracious and just a, an amazing, amazing person and uh, loves wrestling and is just uh, rooted in the wrestling culture and has been NWA from day one. Um and then uh, I think the week after that, we have Nikita Kapoor, um, who, um, you know, today is the anniversary of match seven between he and Magnetia. So it's, it's somewhat timely. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to plug that. That's kind of what that is. If you go on to Piper's Nest, for those of you in the chat who haven't seen it and expecting to get like a lot of uh, bombshells and stuff, that's not going to happen. Every now and again, they'll drop some information, but that's not what we're about. Most of you are very intelligent. And they, they know what's going on. Uh, wrestlers get they get hit with a hundred interview requests and, and they don't like them. They love Gary's now. Gary does it differently. And, and they, they speak universally positively about Gary and Will and, and, and the stuff that we do over here, but they typically they'll go on these shoot interviews or these podcasts. And it's the same litany questions. We don't want to do that with them. We want to put them in a different environment and, and, and talk about them as people and, and you know, how they bridge the gap between uh, pro wrestling and their other cultural interests and how they get looped into that. So, that's kind of that's just a, a word of explanation. I, I just wanted to say that because I think the Eddie Kingston interview is so timely, and, and so we had such a great time with him, you know. And, and and he told us that he is not given an interview, and he is not getting an interview uh, until things settle down with, with the AEW and the NWA and all that. And so the this is the NWA podcast. That is the only official interview you're going to get from Eddie Kingston until things settle down a little bit. So pretty pretty humbled and honored by that. That's awesome. Great who game. else but 
Yeah, who else but Sweetheart Piper uh, could could break down the walls of wild-eyed Eddie Kingston? It's uh, but yeah, that uh, that's that's really cool stuff, and you get to see him uh, like a softer side of Eddie almost. I mean, they're still talking Tupac and, and stuff like that, so they. <laughs> And he's still talking about beating people up. I got a question, Rob. When you said that uh, most of you are very intelligent people, could you be more specific on who <laughs> is and who is not? Well, wrestling with the MMA <laughs> is in the chat, so uh, no, nah, <laughs> I'm kidding. No. It, you, if you if you get a chance, go on Standing Streamers' um, um, Twitch channel and listen to Will's interview. I gave an interview yesterday; it was terrible because I'm so long winded and I just ran at the mouth. But Will's is outstanding. And Will goes on and on about about how deep and loyal and uh, and invested and informed the NWA fan community is. If you're talking about sports or wrestling with the MMA or, or WWE Front Row or Doctor Red or any of you know, any mass fan, um, you know RJ, any of you guys, Nation Show, any of those Scooby, we are this the NWA fan community is the most informed, most educated, most loyal, most connected um, fan community. Period. I mean, who else is going to hang out on a Sunday night and on a Tuesday night for three plus hours just because we like each other's company? We're not doing this for us. We're not getting paid to do it. None of you are getting paid to do it. I'm sure you have other things you can do, but we, we just love each other, man. And we love what this what, what our mission is. So, uh, so now there's not most of us in here are intelligent, uh, except for wrestling with now. Nah, kid. Now, nah, this is it's a great crowd. Yeah, absolutely. We love all of you guys for uh, hanging out with us. It's 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 a lot of fun, and even like just having the regular people that we have that pop in here, it's it's just a blast to know that people love hanging out with us as much as we love hanging out with each other and you guys. It's really really cool. Let's move this new stuff along. Enzo Amore, Amore, I, know, I got real redneck again. Enzo Amore has launched a uh, wrestling school on OnlyFans. That's that is a thing that has happened. And, is that uh, where we put our Manscaped videos on? Only that's where you put your Manscaped videos on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about it. Uh, uh, he tweeted, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm Enzo. I'm looking forward to getting to know all my real fans right here on OnlyFans. Thank you so much for all the support. I guarantee this pro wrestling tutorial series. You can't teach that incorporated will be a truly eye-opening experience for any aspiring pro wrestler. You'll truly learn things that can't be taught. Thanks for allowing me the chance to give back. Enjoy. And that's Amore. So thoughts, <laughs> fellas, on Enzo Amore? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I, I assume it's just promo school. I, couple, I don't know what else you could really do there. A couple things just from a, a marketing and branding standpoint here. Um, if you're going to teach something... Uh, your tagline probably shouldn't be you can't teach that because that seems mm. counterintuitive. So that was the first thing I noticed because my brain thinks like a marketer. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be promos or if he's going to. I don't know how you teach physical professional wrestling through video. I don't know, but uh, it's 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 interesting to say the least. So. Well, I will say that uh, Enzo, uh, for those of you who have been following the NWA podcast in the last 48 hours and saw that we dropped uh, the uh, episode one of season two of AWF Viral, that stands for American Wrestling Federation, uh, Enzo made his AWF debut on July the 11th, and that is covered in that episode. So if you are interested, 
go to the uh, the podcast with that episode. And so we we had a chance to do a little bit of work with Enzo here very, very recently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next bit of news uh, that we've got here is uh, courtesy of Wade Keller at the PW Torch. I just wanted to mention this. Uh, Impact, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get to talk about them very often. Uh, but on Tuesday this week, drew 163,000 viewers up from 106,000 the week before and 135,000 the week before that. The average since March 24th has been 145,000. So it appears the buzz generated from the Slammiversary pay-per-view on Saturday night with the arrival of Heath, Heath Slater, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and the return of EC3, the Motor City Machine Guns, and Eric Young have helped add some viewers to Impact. Uh, Impact drew more viewers on May 12th, and nine of the first 10 weeks of the year drew more than 163,000. The empty arena setting has correlated to drops in viewership in the single-digit percentages uh, compared to projections uh, based on the seasonal ebb and flow of viewership annually. Uh, but basically, uh, Impact is growing right now. They're, they're showing a, a pretty large increase in viewership, especially coming out of Slammiversary. Now, I'm wondering about that myself because uh, we I – don't, I don't know about you guys, but I saw a lot of buzz for Impact uh, coming out of Slammiversary. I was – was, this close it was this close to getting slammiversary because i was curious like who was going to show up i didn't end up getting the pay-per-view but i was on top of the news like on who debuted so it had my attention and uh and i know some of the folks in our uh nwa uh discord that we've got going on right now by the way if you guys aren't in that you should definitely join uh there's a link in the bio but uh a lot of people in there were were doing like watch-alongs uh for for impact wrestling this past week after slammiversary so uh i guess just thoughts there guys uh you think uh this this is a, a just luck of the draw or that the, the, they've actually worked hard and are generating attention well i think it's good all around i i mean i'll admit i watched uh the first probably 30 to 45 minutes we went live that night uh that was our last stream so uh i didn't watch all of it but yeah i mean i was curious and i had on i had actually never watched impact live before um and I, you know i know i think it was pre-taped it wasn't actually live um maybe but i watched it on twitch because i don't have the uh the cable channel that it comes on um but i mean when i hear stories like this i mean first of all one of the things i've, I've covered a lot on hey it's will daily is just how terrible the you know Black Wednesday was when all those WWE wrestlers were uh, released. And one of the things I've said over and over was that uh, it'll be better when we start seeing these guys land gigs and start appearing more, and um, and and that's what's happening. So for me, it's a it's a positive to to see these guys back on TV, back doing something uh, that they're great at and uh, being used, their talent being utilized. And, um, you know, we say it all the time, you know, Rob says it all the time, the, the, the wrestling pie is big enough for everyone, right? I mean, there's, there's different strokes for different folks, and we happen to be uh, NWA first, faithful, um, but that doesn't mean there's not room for other promotions. And, and I watched it, and I, I actually really enjoyed it. Willie Mack was on there in a really great match, and it was good to see him again. Um, and it was great wrestling, you know, obviously different production than what we're used to with power and stuff like that. But it's it's a different promotion, and I think they're doing a great job, and I'm happy for them and, and you know, hope it continues to grow. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, that uh, when Impact does well, pro wrestling does well. It's uh, yeah, I, I consider them somewhat related to the NWA and uh, just well, NWA is a meta promotion, so they all are, but uh, especially Impact and, and uh, like Ring of Honor and places like that. So everything Will said, hundred percent agree with. Yeah, and just to be clear, I mean, these numbers don't put it anywhere near NXT or AEW right now or anything like that. We're not saying that. It's just that there is a steady increase right now going on with them. And so it would be interested to see if they could carve out their own niche in uh, the wrestling world uh, as it is. Now, one of the things that's going to test that coming up that we're starting to see uh, starts to make you... I mean, worry if you do that sort of thing for WWE uh, is that live sports are starting to come back or will be coming back over the next little bit. Baseball has obviously made its appearance now. And uh, supposedly the NFL uh, will start popping up soccer's around. Um, and so we're going to start seeing if any of that starts cutting into pro wrestling. Cause they've had it. They've had like a pretty open range, like a, no competition really, except maybe UFC on Saturday nights or something. But, Anyway, just going to be interesting to see what happens from here. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping it'll it'll be good. And I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to tune in to Impact just to see um, what's going on, and maybe I'll I'll catch a storyline and it'll hook me in. Um, you know, we don't have any NWA wrestling right now, so um, I, I you know I'm not I'm not uh, closed off to checking it out and getting into it. Well, I'm gonna jump. And one more news item that I've got here, unless you guys have something else. This will be the last thing we talk about in the news portion before we jump into Great American Bash 1986. Uh, I'm not happy to share this with you. I'm not even happy that I'm clicking on this video, but I can't find where the words are that I can just read them to you. So I'm just going to play this if, if you guys are down with hearing this. There's not really much video to it exactly. So if I get spotty, as long as you can hear it, that's the important part. Uh, but to preface the next portion of this, I need about five minutes of your time here to uh, listen to a little something that happened on something to wrestle with, uh, with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson the other day. So uh, I'm, I'm going to do that. Rob, cover your ears. Oh, don't do it, Gary. Don't say you're not doing it. My, do it, buddy. Son of a... <laughs> Speaking of uh, professional and easy to work with, they bring back Magnus, who we now know is uh, Nick Aldis, the NWA world champion over on the power program on YouTube. He was uh, a TNA staple for a long, long time. His wife is, is still under WWE contract, but it doesn't feel like for whatever reason, uh, he really got much of a shake with WWE. Why do you think that is? I mean, obviously he's you know, carved his own path here and doing very well as the NWA world champion. But I think a lot of people look at that guy and say he can be on WWE. What what's, what's uh, missing for him in the relationship with WWE. I don't know what is missing with the relationship with him and WWE. I can tell you what is missing in the relationship with him and just about everybody else is I think that, um, it, and no matter what what you want to say, he's a got a great look. Yeah, he can work. Uh -huh. 
then there's just something it that he's missing and that doesn't have a connection to take him to the to the next level. Um, there's times, unfortunately, where I feel that he was playing a part instead of being the part. He, well, he wasn't being Magnus. He was just playing Magnus and what he thought Magnus should be. And, and there wasn't a lot of, um, it wasn't genuine. Probably the biggest critique I can, I can give there. You've said this uh, a lot through the years that so-and-so, well, he was just playing wrestler. Tell me, I mean, can you go a little deeper on, on, on how to differentiate the two when, when a guy is that, and when he's playing that, I mean, I understand what the words mean in, in, in general. But can you give us examples? Yeah, Steve Austin was Steve Austin. Steve Austin drank beer. Steve Austin was a loud mouth and uh, pretty much a redneck. to He turned the volume up, but you didn't have to dig for that character. Um, part, part of what you were saying there cut out. You've got a little tricky internet today, but we're going to power through. Give me the Steve Austin example again. No, the the Steve Austin is a loudmouth, redneck, um, beer drinking hellraiser. That's who he is. The volume is turned up, yes, but there's not a departure from the human being in the character. Playing wrestler, I think, is... You know, I'll use John Layfield as an example for two different things because John was playing wrestler when he was Justin Hawk, whatever the hell he was. And then later on is the blackjacks. He was playing a blackjack. John became, he came into his own in the APA because he got to play himself. And then it later on evolved into JBL. And again, that's just who he is. Volume turned up. So he went through both. He went through playing wrestler to becoming a character that was was true to him. And Magnus was playing Magnus. Nick Aldis, you know, I don't know who he is. He's a nice guy, a little insecure, and and uh, came over from whatever British gladiators to become Magnus because Dixie liked his look. But who's Magnus? And, and I don't know that he ever just embraced being, actually being whoever that character was. Have you seen, I could be Brother Love. Have you seen any of his work as Nick Aldis as the end of I the have. champ? Yeah. He's trying to be what he thinks the NWA champion should be. I see. Let's, uh, let's hardly race, just hardly race. Right. He didn't have to put on airs. Dusty Rhodes was Dusty Rhodes. He didn't have to put on airs. Ric Flair is Ric Flair. You going to tell me there's ever a minute of the day that you don't believe that Ric Flair is Ric Flair? Well, he believes it. That's right. Maybe too much. <laughs> well, that's debatable. Let's talk about that for a minute, though. I was ready to move on, but since you doubled down, I do want to circle back. I mean, 
somebody brings in the character Magnus and says, Hey, you're going to be Magnus. He has to try to figure out what they want. Right. I mean, it's not like he can just go be himself. Well, I think whoever the hell came up with that gimmick should have figured out what the hell they wanted and, and known instead of just be Magnus. Right. Yeah. It just so feels I don't like know that, that ever happened either. Yeah. And it, it may not have. And, and that may explain why, you know, he's out here doing his best to, to give what his quote unquote bosses, you know, the people who hired him, the people who are paying him, Hey, if this is what you want, I'll try to give you that. But, uh, I don't know. It feels a little chicken in the egg when we compare old school examples. And we're talking about guys from the seventies and eighties when realistically the way wrestling is produced has changed so much now that that might be a little easier than it sounds. I mean, a little harder than it sounds. Yes and no. And again, you have to find the character and you've got to believe it. You've got to live it and become that it's very similar to Jim Carrey being Andy Kaufman while he was filming that movie. And you feel that if you can get lost in a guy in a movie and believe that that's actually them in a biopic, then they've done their job. They believe they believe. Jim Carrey became Andy Kaufman in that movie. And you could, he stopped being Jim Carrey. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Thanks for checking out the pod. All right. Uh, yeah, save with Conrad.com, you know, just to give them the proper credit. So Bruce Pritchard um, says that Nick Aldis lacks, quote unquote, it. And uh, he's not very authentic, sounds like, is, is what he's trying to say here. And uh, he's just putting on airs, I guess. Um, I see one part of my screen steaming up already. Uh, so do we go to Will first to try to slowly lead into this? Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> so we got we to gotta hear from Rob eventually. Let's rip off the, the band-aid slowly. First of all, in my opinion, my opinion, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Um, I believe opinions should be weighed and not counted. So you always have to consider the source. Uh, this is nothing against Bruce Pritchard. Um, I, I, I don't typically listen to him. Uh, to, for me, he's not a, 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 a source of anything that has shaped my wrestling viewpoint or anything like that. He's not a go-to person for me. Again, not discounting anything he's done or what he contributes or his point of view. Um, I think for most of that interview, uh, with a portion that we just listened to, um, I was rationalizing a little bit saying, okay, he's talking about Magnus. Um, I'm not super familiar with that character. So maybe he's spot on, but then when they, they cross the line and we're talking about Nick Aldis now, as NWA champion, I, I, I don't. And somebody mentioned this in the chat. I, I don't consider Bruce Pritchard a, a an authority on modern day NWA. I don't really know if he's watched it, uh, if he has time to, or if he's really spent any time um, looking into it to formulate a real opinion. And uh, obviously, I disagree wholeheartedly with his assessment. And uh, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life, and uh, I know I know what I'm what I'm talking about. Much like you two guys and everybody in the chat right now. 
uh, as smart wrestling fans. And I think Bruce Pritchard's coming from a completely different viewpoint from that WWE mindset. And yeah, I can see how from a WWE mindset uh, that doesn't jive well because Nick Aldis isn't a cartoon character. Um, and that's not me making a generalization about WWE, but I, I don't think he gets it. That That's, that's my uh, kind of judgment of Bruce Pritchard. I don't think he gets it. And for that reason, uh, his opinion's not going to carry a lot of weight with me. Huh. Okay, uh, Gary, give me 60 seconds, and if I'm still talking at 67, 67, give me 30 more seconds and then cut me off, okay? First of all, all right. just because a person has been a worker or has worked in, some, in, in, in a promotion in some executive role does not make them authority on everything related to wrestling. There are lots of freaking idiots out there. And Bruce Richard, it's not like you want to – what a hypocrite. You want to talk about characters and being fake? Like, oh, you walk around like brother love all the time? Like, you came up with that junk and that, that's how you live your life? Let me tell you something. Nick Aldis didn't invent Magnus, and he did it to the freaking nines. He killed that character. But what you see in the NWA with Nick Aldis is real authenticity. It's not a fake thing. It's not a show. It's real. And you don't take my word for it. You don't have to. I'm nobody. I'm just a freaking mark like anybody else is. Listen to freaking Eric Bischoff. Listen to DDP. Listen to Harley Race. Listen to Dory Funk, who say that everything that Nick Hollis touches is important and that he's the real champion. So, you know what, Bruce Pritchard, kiss my ass, dude. Well said. I'll just, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. That was more gentle of a reaming than I expected. Uh, so, good, good for you, Rob. I appreciate your restraint. Um, I'll tell you what I don't think has it. Um, WWE SmackDown or Raw right now, correct? Uh, considering they're uh, sporting their lowest ratings of all time, so uh, just just throwing that out there again. Uh, you got to consider the source. I mean, if this dude was was creating a, a bang up uh, wrestling show that was blowing it out of the water with characters that embody what he's talking about, well, then maybe that would carry weight. But he's not, so it just that doesn't really mean much to me. I hate that it's I'm out there. I'm not going to presume. Yeah, I, I I hate that it's out there because it's. I'll tell you what. Like I, I'm I'm also going to try not to go on a rant here, and I've gone on my all this rants in the past. But the thing is, is that I mean, it's presumed to know everything about Bruce Pritchard or or what he's seen and what he hasn't, and how drunk it sounded like he was or not. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I will say that. Going on a, on a on a platform like his and doing that, I mean, that's some definite trash talking. And it doesn't sound like you're just talking about the character Magnus. It sounds like you're talking about the man himself. And that's pretty low uh, considering what Nick Aldis has done. It sounds like he hasn't actually seen any of the NWA stuff. That's That's what I have to assume because it just – I don't know how you watched anything that's happened, especially over the last, like, year or two with the NWA and not – and you don't think that Nick Aldis is a worthy champion and has quote unquote it. Or again, if he has seen it, he just doesn't get it. He's not the target audience. He's not the the same kind of wrestling fan that we are. And, you know, it, that is what it is. Again, like the biggest disappointment to me about all this is that it's out there and now people are going to jump on it without even knowing just because he said it. That That's the problem I have with it. Well, and that it damages a brand. Like, I mean, these people are these people are out here busting their ass and trying to earn a paycheck and like trying to make themselves 
means something to the world of professional wrestling. Now, it's one thing to disagree with booking. Uh, it's it's one thing to you know to like just hate uh, a storyline like a like say you booked a show where the whole match stipulation is one guy's going to rip another dude's eyeball out. Like say, you know, you it's, it's easy to have a problem with that and how stupid that is. But when you're attacking a person directly, like you're attacking um, an individual, like the human who is the person you're seeing on that screen, that's a whole different story. And that's what it sounds like he's doing here. That's my biggest problem with it. Because now not only are you burying uh, Nick Aldis, you're burying the brand, you're burying like it just the everybody who's it feels like you're I don't know, maybe 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 I even take that too personally, but it just I mean, I, I'm like, he's so unimportant that you're sitting there talking about, him, you know, I mean, he, he's a he's a he got he ate up like seven or eight minutes of that freaking show, man, you know, and uh, you know, again, I don't know anything, man. I, I'm not, I don't have any special source of knowledge or I just love wrestling and I've been watching it forever. I don't have any particular insight, but a lot of people who have insight will tell you that the reason Nick, Nick Aldis is putting in his best body work ever in his career right now, because he is who he is. He's finally getting to be real. And, uh, and who can dispute that? If you dispute that, and and even guys like in, in the chat, like my friend wrestling with the MMA, we're good friends, man. He he gives me hell. We we roast each other. But even he in the fortune will tell you that whether you like what's going on in the ring with the storytelling, Nick Aldis is the real world champion. He does it better than anybody else. And so for me, for his credibility, like boom, no credibility. He completely dropped it. That's what you said, Gary. You're not really watching. You're just trying to sound informed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing I can tell you guys for certain, uh, if you're not already aware, is uh, that uh, I have it on good authority that Nick Aldis has also heard these comments himself. And I can now confirm for certain he will be live on Busted Open Radio tomorrow morning at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. And uh, you can bet that uh, he will have something to say about this. So, uh, yeah, I know we got a lot of busted open radio fans. Yeah. Uh, so expect that, uh, Mr. Aldis will not let that lie. I I am sure. I'm sure that busted open is having Nick Aldis on because they also expect that Nick Aldis will not want to let that lie. And so they want the scoop. And so props to them for, uh, bringing them on. They've all heard it now. And, uh, so make sure you're tuned into busted open tomorrow because, uh, I imagine we're going to hear something about this again. Um, that out of the way, and we can talk more about this in the after after show if we want to, or whatever you guys want to talk about. Uh, I do have one other piece of news I have to throw in really, really quickly. You guys wanted some NWA news, some movement on the NWA. I just received an exclusive as we're talking right now uh, that I think is going to turn Rob Stenson's mood around just a little bit. I can confirm. that on Friday, September the 18th, 2020 on Title Match Wrestling Network or live if you go to missionprowrestling.net, Hell Hath No Fury will be taking place and it will be headlined by an NWA World Women's Championship match. Thunder Rosa will be defending that title against the American Kaiju, Lindsey Snow. There it is. Confirmed. There it is. Oh, snap. So we're going to get NWA 
to a women's championship match and uh oh. two badass ladies are about to go at it on september 18th so oh, i am dude, I'm gonna super excited they, about that it, are they having audience members there are they selling in-person tickets or what i it i mean it says they're selling tickets i haven't you know i haven't like confirmed anything for sure but uh it, oh, it man. says you can buy your tickets at missionprowrestling.net I think they are, Rob, because I saw a tweet uh, earlier that said masks will be required. So, okay, so we got up. mask up and get there, bud. <laughs> well, I've seen the artwork. I was told I could not post it yet, but uh, I was told that it would be okay to announce it here to all of you people on the show right now that that is uh, a confirmed championship match that will be taking. So. Uh, and, and yes, Brian Cervantes in the chat is confirming, yes, tickets are available for this show. So uh, you guys get excited. That's going to be awesome. And I have six vacation days to spend or lose. So there they go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, Rob's already all over this. this I'm doing, great. I'm looking, I'm literally looking up Expedia right now. <laughs> I really am, man. <laughs> Normally my wife does that for me because I usually, make a bad deal and she she's way smarter than i am but oh we can at least get through the rest of this show rob i mean i'm sure that that maybe like if even if it's sold out right this second because of the, our show announcing that um uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh the rosas would uh probably help you out if you were really gonna fly down there and, and try to catch that i'm sure they'd, I'm they'd be, be generous to you i'm going to be there <laughs> it's happening i'm going to be there well, we'll definitely be covering it either way. So I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going to treat this like an NWA show. Absolutely. We love uh, Brian and Thunder Rosa, and uh, we we love what they're doing, and, and we're super happy to uh, to be a, uh, in this moment in time to see this all-women's promotion uh, growing up. So uh, we, we, we want to celebrate Mission Pro Wrestling for sure. All right. Unless you guys have any other breaking news items, we went way over Will's schedule. I feel like he's going to strangle us all in the post-production meeting. It was a pipe dream <laughs> to have a schedule. You know, we'll try again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the for what it's worth, I mean, it was a very newsworthy edition of the show, which has not been the case lately. <laughs> it's been hard to run across news that we feel like we could actually like just go in on uh regarding the nwa and everything so this is this has been good uh yeah. but we got it here uh, a building feud between nick aldis and bruce pritchard an nwa women's championship match confirmed uh just lots of stuff a carny land meet meet up by a zoom it's good stuff but now now it's time to talk about one of the great pay-per-views in wrestling history and uh we're going to take you guys all the way if if we're ready to go we're going to take you all the way back to 1986 that was it that was our uh that was my time machine yeah you got to do the Wayne's world the... <laughs> there you go oh man so uh, 1986 might have been one of the hottest years in pro wrestling history. Um, you may not see that from the outside looking in. However, a lot of promotions uh, at this time, they're tripping over themselves. They're 
you got, I, I think like Super Clash 3 was around this time. And uh, they're just trying to find some ways to stay relevant. Because if you keep in mind, like right before this, a year before this, uh, in, in 85, what was it? March, uh, March 31st, 1985, WrestleMania had just happened. So now WWF is blowing up. And uh, they've got celebrities. They've got hot stuff going on. And uh, so other promotions are trying to make themselves relevant again. And um, WrestleMania was hugely successful. That event alone has drawn over 19,121 people, seen, over a million, seen by over a million more on closed-circuit TV. Uh, in light of this, uh, that's a lot to keep up with. Uh, WWE or F was showing up on television all over everywhere. But one promotion that was not struggling as much that had a specific territory and kept with it was Jim Crockett promotions. These guys were on fire. And uh, during this time they were having uh, 1986 would actually end up being their best year yet. Uh, they had a territory stretching all the way from Maryland down through the Carolinas and Georgia, several other states. Uh, and for them, uh, actually, this time, what is this? Uh, 30, 30, what, 96, 34. 36, 34. Yeah, I was trying to like figure it up in my head. 34 years ago, on this day, uh, marked a time when they were in the middle of one of their biggest uh, events of all time. Uh, the previous year, uh, PWI and the NWA had uh, put on a co-branded show uh, named by Dusty Rhodes, and it was called The Great American Bash. And it was a huge success. Uh, I was listening to several people talk about the Great American Bash, and uh, Jim Cornette specifically, I remember, uh, was saying that like this was the first glimpse that Dusty had. Dusty had the book at this time. He was, he was booking all the all of the stuff, and um, he had put a lot of pieces in place. And Great American Bash, nineteen eighty, first moment where he and Crockett had finally like hit. Oh, it like you've got this. This is working. Like we're we're really getting somewhere. So moving along into 1986, you had night uh, Starcade 86, which was the uh, Night of the Skywalkers, uh, and uh, in that show in particular, um, that was the first moment that they, uh, the way Cornette describes it, that he realized not only do we have it, we can go huge. Like we are drawing a lot of money and we are on fire right now. Like this, this is going to be big. So uh, looking to capitalize on all of this, Rhodes and Crockett came up with the idea that the NWA, they had already been working on it, but would now start to build some of the hottest feuds in pro wrestling history. If they had anything going for them, it was that they had some of the best storylines that there were out there. And they were going to use this to take the whole summer and start a brand new giant tour to capitalize on this thing. And they would call it the great American bash. Uh, this was of course the second ever great American bash, but now it was going to be like a huge tour. And so that was it. So, so I don't know about you guys, but I mean, Rob, I, I'm sure this was, I, I think you were what like you two around this time um, in 86. So you probably know this well, but I did not know before we jumped into this show that this that this Great American Bash, like when we decided on it, I didn't know right away. This was not a one show thing. This was like a series of shows that ran the entire summer from like July to 
like the beginning of August. Uh, do you do you have any fond memories of this time period? Yep, yep. Uh, thirteen shows in uh, in thirty days. I actually got to attend the show, and uh, um, I think Ricky Morton and Ric Flair wrestled um, uh, in the main event of that particular show. But amazing, and and just so you know, this is one of the like inspiration behind the promotion of the Aldous Crusade. This concept of hey, I'm going to defend this title multiple times in so many days. I think. Uh, Nick Aldis did it in 60 days and doubled the defenses, but uh, same, same gist. So yes. And and you're absolutely right. This is in it. This is the NWA at its high water mark. I know Jay, Jay Cal doesn't like us talking about wilderness years, wilderness years. And we can talk about that on another podcast, but, but this is the anti wilderness period. This is it at the pinnacle of its commercial success. And uh, it was 13 times in 30 days. And I know, uh, I think James Lawrence said he'd been to the, the Philly show. And, and uh, if you've been to one, you know, man, in those days, uh, it was just, it was fire. The audience was, was just fluid with, with emotion. Yeah, the, um, you know, looking back on it, I was looking at some numbers from around this time. And uh, this was Arguably, I think, uh, based on the numbers, not arguably even, this was the Crockett's best year in pro wrestling. They earned a gross of $21 million for that year. Um, and uh, that that in today's money, they were estimating, would be around $50 million. Um, so they, they were raking in the cash. In fact, uh, if you go back and listen to... Uh, Cornette on his podcast does a deep dive into the numbers of things during this time. And he talks about a random day in the year on February 2nd, 1986, where on that day, professional wrestling in general uh, drew 70,000 people all over the country paid into live events. Now, three of those events were Crockett events. Uh, they had like 12,000 in Hamilton, Ontario, headlined by Flair and Dusty versus the Road Warriors. Uh, 12K in Charlotte with uh, Rock and Roll versus the Midnight Express. And uh, then 7K at the Omni right after that, where everybody came together uh, for a show they did called Superstars on the Superstation, which would be the point, because at this high high watermark, as, as you put it, uh, the Superstars on the Superstation would be kind of the beginning of what would lead into the Great American Bash Tour. This was kind of the setup for all of the shows that were going on in this event. Uh, you had things like uh, Dusty Rhodes really getting into his feud here with uh, the Four Horsemen, and uh, he battled Tully Blanchard at this show, and they went to a draw due to interference, and he was having an issue with Rick. Flair, obviously. Ric Flair would go on in the main event of this particular show to beat Ron Garvin to win back the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And so that would kind of build on that feud. You had the Magnum TA and uh, Nikita Koloff stuff going on and uh, just uh, just several different things that like built to matches that were going to be paid off or like significant parts of the feuds would happen during the Great American Bash Tour. Yeah, and here's... Uh, Here's one thing to keep in Go mind, ahead, too, yes, when, you, when you talk about all those title defenses. It's not like it is now. So I went to a, a SmackDown house show like two years ago, and I saw Charlotte versus Asuka, and it was a great match. But, you know, if, if you follow that the house show circuit and cards, that was that same match happened like every night. 
So they were just replaying the same matches over and over. Ric Flair defended his title during this tour against somebody different just about every night. So he defended against uh, Ricky Morton, as as Rob, you just mentioned. He defended against uh, Hawk and Animal separately, the Road Warriors, Ron Garvin, Nikita Koloff, Magnum TA, Dusty, obviously, that we're going to talk about, Wahoo McDaniel. Like, it, it was it was a different person each event. So it wasn't like when we think about that now, like, oh, you know, similar, like you said, Rob, to the Autos Crusade. I mean, it was a different person every match. It wasn't this like the, what we're used to in the mainstream house show circuit where it's like you're, they're going to replay the same match over and over just for different crowds because it's not on TV. This was not like that. This was I mean, Ric Flair was defending that title against formidable opponents night after night. I mean, sometimes with only one night or no night break in between so just to put that into perspective of what these guys were doing from a performance and just an, a, a, a wrestling level and, and when you when you look at these cards uh this is something i think that the the modern iteration of the nwa does so well if you look at one of the bash 86 cards and i'll just use the the, the standard package one it's basically a compilation of highlights when you when you when you would get the the vhs version or the the uh dvd or the the digital version of Bash 86. It's basically a compilation of highlights from the 13 shows. But when you look at that, it's like it's like watching an NWA show. The strength of the storytelling on the card is is important from top to bottom. Like when you're talking about Jimmy Valiant and his feud with legendary feud with uh, with uh, number one Paul Jones in the Army. As a fan in those days, being just a young, you know, just being 10 years old, 11 years old. Like that had a lot of meaning to me as a kid. I was in tune with that more than I was with just about anything else, even though titles weren't on the line. Uh, of course, the Rock and Roll Express were right there, Pinnacle, the Road Warriors, the, uh, uh, Magnum and, and Nikita. The whole card, even when like Denny Brown, you know, or Sam Houston, the, the who were in the junior heavyweight title picture at the time, it, even that had a lot of meaning. And I think the NWA, one of their, some of their brilliance has to do with building very meaningful storylines throughout the card. It's not always, I mean, obviously everything is about the belts. You want to get belts, but there are, there's important content in, in storytelling that doesn't just involve the belts and they nailed it with this. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. And uh, now obviously like we're talking about, there were, there were several, uh, well, more than several. I mean, one of the things that like I saw a lot of wrestlers talking about is that Ric Flair got people amped up about this situation. Now, these guys were making, by the way, money was awesome for the wrestlers during this time, at least for most of them. And um, so you would you would get a lot based on um, the way I understand it is like a, a lot of the guys would share the house. So Ric Flair like teased everyone during this time it got everybody amped up to perform to their fullest during this uh tour because he would tell them like there are 14 shows for the great american bash this is 14 starcades that are going to happen right now in july like it's going to be huge so everybody wanted to be on top of their game and they wanted to deliver uh this uh, on this and uh and I just thought that was kind of interesting that he kind of had to pump them along. But they did. I mean, like Will said, this wasn't just like some standard house show stuff. I mean, they were having unique matches and going all in uh, on these matches. And, and you'll see. I mean, we're obviously we're going to focus on I keep meaning to say this. We, we're going to focus more on the July 26th show. 
uh, from the Great American Bash. As that's what we're celebrating the anniversary of today. But we can, you know, talk a little bit about the others uh, as we want to. I mean, the main thing, I mean, if you're looking at the WWE Network, the only ones you can actually watch on the network officially are July 5th and July 26th. Um, so uh, that's kind of interesting. Those are available in their hidden gem stuff. But uh, anyway, I say all that to say uh, they, they, during the promotion of the Great American Bash, realized what the WWF was doing as far as star power and uh, using the celebrities and that kind of thing. Now, this is going to obviously have a little bit more of a southern tinge to it because of the territories we're talking about. But during this time, I mean, in the Superstars on the Superstation show, uh, Dusty Rhodes had a sit-down interview with Tony Schiavone that also had Willie Nelson hanging out with him. Um, mm. Willie Nelson actually performed on several of the shows like going leading into the events. They also had guys like George Jones there and Waylon Jennings. So uh, definitely more of a country-style thing, but that makes a lot of sense considering the audience. But um, they, were, they were pulling in star power. This Great American Bash Tour was meant to be well, like Ric Flair said, like 14 Starcades, it was meant to be a huge deal. These are all WrestleManias in their own right, you know. So um, that part of it I thought was really interesting. It's it's definitely not just a house show type thing. And and the feuds that are built up in this thing are amazing. Like like uh like you guys were talking about. I mean, just I mean, for me alone, just the Magnum TA Nikita Koloff stuff was just outstanding. I mean, you've got a best of seven series going on for the U.S. title. And uh, that alone, I think, drew people in because, uh, I mean, I guess we could get more into it later. But Magnum TA at this time, uh, people that don't realize as you go back and look at Magnum TA, he was the hot baby face, like the, the guy like coming up uh, who was getting ready to take over the world at this time. And uh, uh, basically, I, I assume, Rob, it probably felt a lot like how Sting uh, felt during the Great American Bash the last time we watched one. It was probably like he was kind of sort of working his way into that position a little bit, it felt like. Yeah, I, I mean, just to, for, for those who weren't familiar with uh, the Crockett era so much, uh, if, if you're watching the NWA today, you get the feel of like somebody like an Eddie Kingston or somebody like a uh, an Eli Drake. It's got that sort or a Trevor Murdoch, man. The, these guys are like, very, very popular babies that can, uh, I hate to say it, use that term loosely, but uh, but it, it had that so, same sort of feel. Magnum TA was the heir apparent. I mean, he was the one that, you know, in, in those days, the U.S. championship was considered the the the, the number one contender, contender belt. You had a national title and a TV title. Um, interestingly, you know, the TV title was actually considered a world championship in those days. They called it the world's television champion. Chip. But the U.S. title was considered the next most important belt, and uh, and uh, Magnum T.A. was, by all accounts, and this is no secret for everybody knows this, he was the one that was the designated heir to Ric Flair. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, just to run through it, I mean, you had the uh, the matchups like uh, the July 5th show. Uh, that's the other big one you'll hear about. Like I said, it's on the WWE Network, which uh, had matches like Robert Gibson versus Black Bart. Uh, you had Ole and Arn Anderson versus Sam Houston, Nelson Royal. Uh, you had a bunkhouse match between Manny Fernandez and Baron Von Raschke. Uh, an Indian strap match on that show with Wahoo McDaniel and Jimmy Garvin. Uh, Rod Garvin versus Tully Blanchard, the Road Warriors uh, versus the Koloffs, 
uh, Jimmy Valiant versus Shaska Watley, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, and Baby Doll versus the Midnight Express, and Ric Flair versus Ricky Morton was the main event for that one for the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. How about Ric Flair going all the way back to uh, 1986 uh, defending against uh, Ricky Morton? And just to think that uh, Ricky Morton in 2019 was still fighting for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, and and Gary, and again, I, I've only heard this. I've heard Ricky say this before in a, a shoot interview or something, but it's not like Ricky Morton was just some upstart. They had a very, very intense feud. I mean, uh, and, and guys like Arn Anderson will talk about it. You want to talk about, like, upsetting a crowd? Try beating up Ricky Morton. In, in a live audience, they attacked Ricky Morton and almost didn't get out of the arena. The, the, the fans almost rioted. Ricky Morton was over like Rover, man. He was freaking like – he was over like Tommy Rich was in, in the early 80s. I mean, he was the biggest, most uh, popular guy. And uh, they were going – they had, there was legitimate, serious talk, I'm told, that they were going to put the belt on Ricky Morton at, you know, as a, for a transitional reign. But Ricky didn't want to do it because that would have implications for he and Robert. And uh, and I've heard Ricky say that before. I can't pinpoint it, but I think probably some, some of you in the chat may have heard the same thing. And Gary, you probably have. But uh, uh, but this was not just a little sideshow. Ricky Morton was very much in the title discussion at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and you know Robert Gibson had a match during one of these shows with him too, and I heard nothing but good things about that. That Robert yeah. Gibson. Uh, was an excellent uh, wrestler who never got as much credit because he's in there next to Ricky Morton, who can sell like nobody's business and is always like the focal point of the team for the most part. But uh, Flair did defend against Robert Gibson in one of those matches. And I mm -hmm. uh, just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and I, Will had, I had a Hawk list. Hawk, Hawk and Animal both getting a shot, you know, individually. Yeah. That's, that's <clears throat> absolutely. That's all. That's the thing, man, that, that those guys were so versatile. We're not used to this, again, not to keep harping on this then versus now thing, but what we don't realize was just the versatility of these guys and their talent back then. They could, they could wrestle a, a phenomenal tag team match one night and then turn around a night or two nights later and wrestle in a world title match and, and give a stellar performance in that. You know, how often do we see that nowadays? It's just it's surreal absolutely um if i could just take a quick moment uh to break here real quick something uh i just i just i'm just proud of us guys together uh as uh as uh front row said uh we broke something and it wasn't stinson's spirit this time uh <laughs> nick aldis nick aldis has just tweeted out directly to bruce pritchard saying hi bruce pritchard your ignorant comments about me had me at an all-time low, kind of like your raw ratings. However, <laughs> there are a few. <laughs> however, there are a few Hall of Famers that seem to have a different opinion. Some of which are featured below, and he has a video that he's posting along with this. And he says, "P.S. I will be live on Busted Open Radio tomorrow morning." So um, there get you him, go. So Let just know. Uh, go you, get heard, him. you heard it here first, and yeah, get him, champ. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like so, uh, uh, a. It's like we can, you know, like you got wrestling with the MMA in there. We let our family members, we let them talk trash, but we don't let anybody else. It's like my brother. My brother as a kid, you can mess. I can mess with my brother, but nobody else can. You mess with our champion, 
like him or not, he's our champion. He's the real world's champion. You crossed the freaking line, dude. So I hope I hope Nick Aldis makes this Joker famous tomorrow in a way that Bruce Pritchard has never been famous. Woof. I love seeing Rob get up.